0: Welcome to the Family Church Sermon Podcast. Join us each week as we look to the Bible to seek out what it means to love God passionately and love people personally. For more information about our weekly gatherings and how you can be part of our outreach, visit jointhefamily.church. There are some Bibles. Just lift your hand. He'll bring you one. We would love you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible at home, uh, take that. That's our gift to you. Um, if you do have a Bible, return them. Uh, they cost money, but we want to bless you, and we want to make sure that you have God's Word with you each and every day. So turn to John chapter 3. Don't be ashamed to look at the table of contents. If you need to know where that is, There's this is a no shame zone. We want you to follow along in God's Word with us this morning. Our sermon series has been entitled Life, and we've been in the Gospel of John a good bit so far this year in our small groups. And uh, on Sunday mornings and on Thursday nights, we've been in the book of John in varying ways. We're in the book of John now. Uh, we are going to, after Easter, go into one of John's other other books, the book of Revelation. So I want you to uh, be looking forward to that uh, the week after Easter. We're going to start a new series in the book of Revelation and tentatively title, entitled, we don't have a... We don't have a graphic or anything yet. Maybe Madison can help us out with that. Called "The War Is Over." The war is over, and because uh, I think when we look at Revelation, sometimes we think about future battles, right? You know, but we but the battle's already been won on the cross, and uh, that's what we look look to in the gospel today. And uh, we are looking at what it means to have life. Did you know the Gospel of John ends the second to last chapter? John starts to wrap it up, and he says. In John 20, verse 31, you'll see it on the screen, that he writes all these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life in his name. That's our goal for today, is that you would find life in his name. It's a good time to be alive. Praise God that all of us, all of us in here today, you made it through a, a tough season so far of disease, right? You made it through a time of sickness. We all survived in this room Hurricane Ida. God has a purpose for the breath in our lungs today. And while you have breath in, in your lungs, I pray that it would pour out in praise. And I pray that you would accept the gift of God's Spirit that He has for you and that you would go forth today in what He has called you to do. Let's read in John chapter 3 verses 1 through 21. This is Jesus' conversation with the Pharisee Nicodemus. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. John chapter 3 verse 2, this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs that you do unless God were with him. And Jesus replied truly I tell you unless someone is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God now can anyone be born when how how can anyone be born when he is old Nicodemus asked him can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born Jesus answered truly I tell you unless someone is born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God whatever is born of the flesh is flesh And whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everything that is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus asked, how can these things be? Jesus replies, are you a teacher of Israel? Don't you know these things? Truly, I tell you, we speak what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but you don't accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man Must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him. Is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment: the light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and ever, and avoids it, so his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Jesus offers life. Jesus offers life. That's our big idea today. If you don't leave with anything else, I pray that you would leave with the truth that Jesus offers life. He's the only true life that can be found. Now, some of us may have grown up in church. I am not a Jesus follower just because I grew up in church. I'm a Jesus follower because he gave me life. There's a time that uh, darkness, all of us have dark moments, you know, the Farleys, hey, it might be minute, but having uh, all the chaos you had this morning, that could be a dark moment. We all have dark moments. This, my mom can attest to you that every Sunday morning, getting getting the boys ready and getting out of the houses, there are dark moments, getting to church. We all go through darkness. We all go through struggle. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's disease. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's financial strife. Maybe it's relational strife. I don't know what it is, but I know this, that that hell cannot withstand the heavenly truth. And what, what the heavenly truth is, is that life is found in Jesus. And I know I came to new life in Jesus when I surrendered it all to him. And I said, God, I need you to be my father. I need you to be my heavenly father. I need you to give me purpose. And know this today, that Jesus will and can do the same thing for you. First point is this, you must be born again. You must be born again. Nicodemus didn't quite understand what Jesus meant by being born again. He's like, well, how can I crawl back into my mom and be born again? I'm a little too big to climb back in there. That's what he's getting at, right? You know, like a little too big for that. The, The head's a little too fat at this point, you know? Now, what Jesus was talking about is not a physical birth. He's talking about spiritual birth. He just he didn't say to be reincarnated reborn he said to be born again be completely made new because yes. that's what Jesus does through his blood his body and his blood which we'll remember in communion at the end of our time here today through his body and his blood we have been made new the old is gone and the new has come yes, So Nicodemus Nicodemus this powerful pharisee in fact, Nicodemus's name means conqueror of the people. Nicodemus was a very powerful man. He was a learner. Unlike Jesus, who was a carpenter's son and took up that trade of his father's, the, the carpenters weren't expected to study the law and be immersed in it. Nicodemus was a professional. Was a professional. Nicodemus was, was, was all into what the law meant and how the law Applied and so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Nicodemus comes as a secured man in his own viewpoint. He comes to Jesus at night and he says, Okay, Jesus, what rabbi, what can I learn from you? And by saying rabbi, he acknowledges that he is a learner, he can learn from this man, Jesus. He's acknowledging that Jesus, I have something I want to hear from you. In fact, maybe. He had just witnessed Jesus turning, uh, he had heard the miracle of water being turned into wine, and in fact, Jesus had just cleansed the temple, and so Nicodemus comes humbly to this Messiah, this person that has to know something about the fulfillment of what God has been calling him to, and Nicodemus comes in the cloak of night. Now, some people will say maybe Nicodemus was ashamed. Maybe Nicodemus came at night because he didn't want anybody else to see. Maybe Nicodemus came at night because Jesus had people around him all the time. And the only time he could actually get to Jesus was at nighttime. In fact, but most commentators believe that there's symbolism here. Because what what represents evil in the Gospel of John? Darkness. Nightfall. And so Nicodemus comes with his doubt, and his fears. And he comes to Jesus, and Jesus has an answer for him. And that answer in verse 2 is that Nicodemus needs to be born again. To receive the kingdom of heaven, the messianic promise that the Israel had been waiting for, you had to be born again. And this word in the Greek, again, is a word named, is a word Enothen, and the word literally means from above. From above you have to be born from above in verse 5 furthermore that we need you had to be born of water and of spirit now does this mean you have to be baptized to be saved i don't believe so mike and i were talking about this just the other day baptism is something baptism by immersion is something that you do as a symbolic act of following jesus repenting and following jesus The water itself doesn't save you, but because you're saved, you commit to show your faith publicly by being immersed in water. What Jesus was probably referring to here is that you don't have to be saved, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. What he's probably referring to to is that Jews would require converts, proselytes, not just to be circumcised, but to be baptized. And what John the Baptist came is saying I'm preaching to you not just a physical baptism, I'm I'm preaching to you a spiritual baptism of repentance. So what Jesus was saying here was that you need to repent. You need to repent, and this repentance comes by the work of the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be used, poured out, and used by Him. This is the same Spirit that breathed life into the nostrils of Adam, Right? when God created man he breathed into his nostrils and life came this is the same spirit that gave life the same wind that gave life to the dry bones of Ezekiel right prophesy over these bones and they became flesh and they walked right this is the same spirit that brings life Genesis chapter 2 he was hovering over the face of the deep preparing the way of the Lord Jesus Is Creator God? God the Father is there. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Genesis 1 and 2, as our Creator. And this is the same Spirit that brings life. In fact, the prophets knew this as they anticipated the coming King. Ezekiel chapter 36, you'll see on the screen, chapter 36, verse 25. I will also sprinkle you with clean water, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. And I will put a new heart and a new spirit within you. The washing of the water of the word of truth is what we all need in our lives. And that truth sets us free. That truth makes us realize that we are not and God is. And since we realize we are not, we cast aside everything. We say, Jesus, I abandon everything else for you. That's what God asked. Anything less than everything is nothing. He wants all of you so that he can... He can bless all of you, and he can give all of you to the nation so that they will hear about that same glory and fame. Amen. Amen. And, and Nicodemus, as a rabbi, is kind of, you know he's still processing this. He's a learned man, and he's asking questions, and what does Jesus say in chapter three, verse eight? He says, "The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes." Or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Salvation is an act of God alone. The spirit brings life. And we can't explain how the spirit works. We can't explain how God works. But God is here. I was reminded of a famous quote by Billy Graham that he gave in one of his crusades. Can you see God? Have you ever seen him? I've never seen God, but I know he exists I've never seen the wind have you ever seen the wind I've seen the effects of the wind but I've never seen the wind there's a mystery to it God has woven into creation a mystery that we marvel at that we worship that we proclaim we proclaim the glory and fame of Christ I was talking with, I was talking to somebody about Jesus this past week and they were talking about how um, they had a near-death experience, and they didn't, uh, they didn't see any pearly gates. And they, you know, they were like, no logic, no nothing can bring me to faith in Jesus. And I said, you mentioned the very word that, that in my thinking, is what causes us to follow Jesus since faith. Ah, ah. It's what did Paul write in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It's by grace through faith, yeah. right? Not of yourself not of works so that no man could boast, mm-hmm. but that we are his workmanship, we are his creation, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared long in advance for us to do. Yeah. If you're here, you're not here by mistake. Right. You have breath in your lungs because God has a plan for you. Yes. But God's not going to force you to follow him. He's a loving God. That's right. He says, here's your choice. Mm-hmm. Follow me. And what we see here is that, yes, we must be born again, but we must also acknowledge, secondly, your future is eternal. Ah. Your future is eternal. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish. Sometimes when we look at that verse, we like to forget about the perishing part of that verse. Ah. We want to forget about Let's look at the very last verse of John chapter 3. Look at the very last verse of John 3 with me. John 3, if you have a Bible, John three thirty-six. This is Jesus still speaking. The same one that said, God so loved the world. He says this. The one who believes in the Son, talking about him, has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him your future is eternal yes. god's people preserve all others perish ah. that's not hateful it's it's loving it's it's so loving that god gave his only son so that we wouldn't have to perish yes. Amen. we were born and if you have kids you know this we were born into a sinful state And that sinful state is inherited through the sins of Adam and Eve. And you know what? We can blame Adam and Eve, but we were probably eating the the fruit quicker than they ate the fruit. We would have disobeyed God quicker than they disobeyed God. Through that sin, we inherit an evil nature. And the only thing that can take that evil nature away, that same evil nature that invades other countries, that same evil nature that judges people because of their skin color, that same evil nature that kills babies on a daily basis in our nation, that same evil nation that kills people all across our city, you can't turn on the news without hearing about a homicide in our town, that same evil nature is one that we've all chosen. And the only thing that can take away that evil nature is the blood of Jesus. And what is said here, what Jesus says in verse 14 is just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man may be lifted up. You see in the book of Numbers, we see in chapter 21, Israel had been complaining to God. They're like, God, we don't like what we're drinking. We don't like what we're eating. You promised us a lamb, but here we are wandering in the wilderness. God, what are you going to do? They're complaining to the great God, the great God. And so God sends snakes, and snakes come and they, they ravage Israel. And Israel then goes to Moses and says, Moses, we need you to pray and plead to God that he would take this away. So God tells Moses to take an a, a, a image of a snake and to erect it. And that every time people passed and they got bit by snakes and they looked at that snake, they would be healed. You know what? The fulfillment, the greater Moses in the New Testament is Jesus who was put on a cross. In fact, by the evil one, who is a snake, right? Put on the cross and lifted it up so that all could see. Yes. And all we have to do is gaze at him. Ah, and when we gaze at him, we realize that he is and we are not. Ah. And we find our salvation. Amen. Amen. And like verse 15 promises us eternal life. Verse 15 and 16. John uses eternal life 17 times in his gospel. In fact, maybe he's alluding to what Daniel some, some people will tell you that eternal life is a New Testament concept. There's no concept of it in the Old Testament. Well, here in the book of Daniel, you'll see on the screen Daniel chapter 12 verse 2, many who slept in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. There is not an end to suffering if we don't give ourselves away to the one who suffered for us. And we can blame God. How does a loving God send people to eternity in hell? I will say a loving God is giving us what we've always asked for. Life apart from him. But God by his grace provided his son Scripture tells us that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Ray Ortland writes in his book, The Gospel, that we read as a staff about a month ago. It says, every other hope, explicitly and implicitly, is, is based on how deserving we are. Only the Christian gospel, the good news, is based clearly, boldly, and insistently on how loving How loving God is to the undeserving. What matters to God is not which sins you've committed or not committed. What matters to God is whether we bonded by faith with His only Son. Every other system on planet Earth will tell you you need to do this and do that to acquire a higher state of being. Uh But no, Jesus was not just the one who ascended, He was also the one who descended. And he came down here to the filthy earth, the filth that we had created by our free will. And he came through his great plan, through his great plan, his sovereign plan for you and for me. And he gave his life on a sinner's cross so that we could have eternal life with him. Have you ever begin to think about that eternity? We're going to look at that a little bit in Revelation. It's really fun to look at, right? Just think and gaze and Think about eternity, eternity. We talked about last week, we talked about the the water turning into wine and the promises that God has given that the best wine and the best food are reserved for eternity. Can you imagine that day when you get to see Abraham, you get to see Isaac, you get to see Paul, you get to see Peter. We get to see our grandparents and parents and friends that follow Jesus. We we get to see everyone. And we get to dwell in the presence of our creator. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And we get to be his people and he's with us as, as our God. Yes. Yes. And we get to cry out, holy, holy, holy. Yes. I was thinking, we were watching, Laura and I were watching a, 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 I don't know if anybody has Disney Plus in here, but there's a, documentary on it uh with will smith called welcome to earth and it's kind of like one of those nature channel shows and we were watching it last night and y'all there's just some weird stuff on our planet if you ever watch any of those animal planet shows or anything and i just think about all these creatures that god created in the depths and in the heights and everywhere in between i think about the heavenly creatures that surround his throne guys this is going to be amazing this is going to be amazing and we will see him face to face and our face-to-face interaction won't result in death but through christ's blood will bring life eternal life brings us to our last point which is you have a choice you have a choice we see that the the passage that i read here was very honest that the people decided they wanted to dwell in darkness and they decided to put the light to death or forget about the light because they don't want to they don't want to acknowledge it. Because when light comes it exposes what you're not. You ever like you ever like turn the light on in a room at your house and you're like, ooh. You ever go into an old shed and you turn the light on and all the roaches and all y'all know what I'm talking about. You go in an old shed, you turn on the light and you're like, man, I turned the light back off. You know, I want to go. Light exposes who you really are. That's what the light of Christ does. It exposes who we are. It tells us that we are not, but He is. Uh, right, right. W. H. Auden uh, once wrote a poem where, and I'll read I'll read this this por- portion of this poem. He's talking about uh, his experience at a nightclub one evening, and he in this poem he says, "Faces along the bar cling to the average day. The lights must never go out. The music must always play." Lest we should see who we really are, lost in a haunted wood, children afraid of the night who have never been, so, been happy or good. Sometimes the reason why people don't want to go to bed, why they want the evening to continue, is because they don't want to acknowledge who they are and acknowledge the reality in which they live. That's why we fall into the sins of, or into the just weight of anxiety. That's why suicide is so prevalent in our world. It's us trying to answer our questions with our own means rather than giving it all to God. And God is, is a God of wrath, but he's a God of wrath towards sin. But you know who he is towards his children? It's what the Old Testament says is a hesed love, his steadfast love. God is a God of love, as First John tells us. He loves us. And he doesn't love you about what you do because what you do and what you don't do. He loves you because you acknowledge that you're his. Do y'all you love your kids less or more because of what they do? No. No. They can do some of the vilest stuff on earth. You still love them. You don't have to like them, but you love them. It's just a reflection of how what God thinks of us. He loves us. And he loved us so much that he gave his only son. As we grow into seeing God more clearly, we grow into seeing ourselves more clearly. And we see that we are not, and he is. Jesus offers life, and I want to invite you today to join the family. What I want to do here is, and there's this really good book called What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert. It's a black book put out by a publisher named Nine Marks. I want to read a section of it really quick as we contemplate God's love for you and for me. Why don't you do this for me? Why don't you do this for me? Why don't you close your eyes? Bow your heads and close your eyes and just think of these words. Greg Gilbert writes, let me introduce you to God. Now I'm reading it so you don't see this, but it's the lowercase g, God. Let me introduce you to God. You might want to lower your voice a little before you go in. He might be sleeping now. He's old, you know, and doesn't much understand or like this newfangled modern world. His golden days, the one he talks about to you really are get him going. They were a long time ago, before most of us were even born. That was back when people cared and really thought about things and considered him pretty important to their lives. Of course, all that's changed now, though. And God, poor fellow, he never adjusted very well. Anyway, a lot of people still like him, or it seems at least he manages to keep his poll numbers pretty high. You'd be surprised how many people even drop by to visit and ask for things every once in a while. But, of course, that's all right with him. He's here to help. Thank goodness all the crankiness you read about him sometimes in old books, you know, having the earth swallow people up, raining down fire on cities, that sort of thing, all seems to have faded in his old age. Now he's just a good-natured, low-maintenance friend who's really easy to talk to, especially since he he never seems to talk back. You know the best thing about him, though? He doesn't judge me. Ever for anything. Oh, sure, I know that deep down he wishes I'd be a better, more loving, less selfish and all that. But he's realistic. He knows I'm human and nobody's perfect. Besides, forgiving people is his job. It's what he does. After all, he's love, right? And I'd like to think of love as never judging, only forgiving. That's the God I know. And I wouldn't have him any other way. And don't worry, we don't have to stay long. He's really just grateful for any time we can get. Why don't you open your eyes? How depressing is that? It's the way the world sees God. A God that's here to serve and meet our own needs. But not a God who's calling us to lay down everything to follow him. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave when we couldn't give. Yeah. He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Yeah. I was reminded of that quote when we were reading, when when, when uh, the guys on staff, when we were reading that book, The Gospel, by Ray Ortland. And it just shook me that that's really what we see. We bring down God to us way too much. God is God. He is great. He doesn't just deserve a little bit of our time, He deserves all of it. He's not here just to forgive. No, He forgives because He's good, and His wrath remains upon all those who don't follow Him. This is the God of love, this is the God of wrath. This is the God of the Bible that you and I serve. This is the same God that when, Tim, when Thomas asked, God, Lord, how do we know where you're going? Jesus replies, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's not hateful. That's loving. And that's something our world needs to hear or else they will not spend eternity with him, Romans three twenty three says, "All have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God." Romans six twenty three, "For the wages of sin is death, but the but the gift of God is eternal life, in Jesus Christ our Lord." And how do we follow Jesus? Romans ten thirteen tells us, "Everyone who calls upon His name, shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Let that be our mission. Let every breaking breath, every every hour that we have be spent. You never know when that person that you're talking to needs an invitation to follow Jesus. Ah. Yesterday here at the block party, we uh, Andre and Julie had a conversation with a lady that just because, uh, I'm going to give Andre props, because Andre was willing to just ask. Eternity changed in her life. Eternity changed in a moment. All because of that willingness to ask. God, give us the passion. Give us the fire. Give us the willingness to lay it all down and ask. Ask for your spirit. Ask for your glory. And ask others to follow you. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. God, today I pray that I would, John 3.16, that I know you love the world so much that you gave your only son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. God, let that be something that radiates in my soul to the point that I never forget there are people whose eternity, whose eternal destiny has not yet been determined by the Father, Lord, but has been chosen by their own sinful deeds. Lord, I pray that I would invite everybody that I can to follow you. Spirit, move in power. Spirit, move. Come here. We are yours. You are great. We are not. We are here. We're here to follow you. And God, we know you're in complete control. So God, help us to surrender today to that control. God, I pray for University City. I pray for Metairie. I pray for Kenner. I pray for Destrehan. I pray for all of greater New Orleans. I pray for the United States. I pray for all of the nations. God, I pray that we would know you as Lord and Savior. God, help us while there is breath in our lungs. Help us to pour out your glory and your fame to the earth until no one has an excuse. Not a single one has an excuse. Everyone has heard about you and has a choice. God, help that to be me today. in your name we pray amen would you stand we're going to sing the song of response about christ being magnified i pray that christ will be magnified in your life and that we would simply reflect how glorious and how great he is if you'd like to take the elements of communion they're available you can grab them bring them back to your seat here and at the very end we'll take it together as a family If you'd like to pray with somebody, Mike, myself, Julie, we're up here at the front. Just come and grab us. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to pray. Let's sing. Let's respond. Let's glorify his name.